The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Book of Hebrews, chapter number 11, for our text reading here today. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 11, is where we'll be for our text reading this morning. Well, we want to welcome you to an annual event here at the Ambassador Baptist Church that we call our Global Missions Conference. It started last week. And uh, every year we take the opportunity to focus in on the global need that there is for Christ and discipleship. And so throughout this Global Missions Conference, it started last week, it will continue this week through next week. Uh, each Sunday evening we'll actually have missionaries from around the globe that will have the opportunity of interviewing. Uh, last week we met a missionary from the 1040 window. And shared the need, the great need that existed. We had a great time with our international buffet. And so I just want to say thank you to all of you who brought some great food. So we enjoyed that and then had the opportunity to hear from one of our missionaries. Uh, tonight we're going to be interviewing another one of our missionaries that has been a missionary here for many, many years. And so you won't want to miss being a part of the interview uh, with the Flores family. That'll happen tonight at uh, 6 p.m. But uh, today is a special day. It's one that we refer to really globally across the, uh, the church at large as the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians. And living in America, sometimes we forget the incredible freedoms that we enjoy as Americans. And, and one of those special freedoms that we have is religious freedom, the, the freedom to gather like we are this morning uh, to worship God in song and in praise, to open up a Bible, to teach and to learn and be discipled around his word. And, and as Americans, it's easy to almost take this liberty for granted. And uh, today we're going to take some time to, like the video said a moment ago, to simply remember. Uh, to remember the reality that not everyone who's living today gets to enjoy what we're enjoying right here, right now. And then at the end of the service, we're going to mix things up a little bit and take some time uh, to simply pray. Uh, to pray for those right now, today, in countries around the world that are literally being persecuted for the very faith that you and I adhere to, for simply wanting to open up a Bible, for simply wanting to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. And, and my goal this morning is for those of us who are believers, those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, uh, to just really be reminded of the need. And so it's going to be a little bit different. I, I really do want us just to kind of uh, allow our hearts to allow our minds to once again be stirred for those that really don't have some of these freedoms. Uh, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 11 here to remember those, and we're going to take some time to read through that in just a moment. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, we're glad that you're here. Uh, inside your service program, there is an outline that you can use to follow along through the Bible study as we move through Hebrews chapter number 11. Uh, at the end of the service, you'll have an opportunity to fill out a connection card, and so we'd love to have a record of your attendance with us here today. Uh, we'll take the opportunity of letting you know about any upcoming events happening at Ambassador Baptist Church, and so at the end of the service, uh, we have a gift for you if you are our guest here today, and thank you so much for joining with us. Uh, for those of you who are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read from our text here today, the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. I'll begin in verse number 32, and we'll read down through the middle of uh, verse number 38. Now, to give us some background, 
Hebrews chapter number 11 is often referred to as the hall of faith. Uh, some of you thought I was going to say the Hall of Fame, and uh, the reality of this passage is often referred to as the Hall of Faith, because here its author goes through and identifies individuals who demonstrated and expressed great faith. I mean, there are some uh, incredible characters that are spoken of in this passage. As you move down through here, you'll see uh, everybody from Noah here being mentioned, and those who had great faith and demonstrated great faith in God. And then we get to verse number 32, and the author here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, kind of identifies a very unique group of people who have demonstrated extraordinary faith in the midst of horrible circumstances. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 32. He's just got done just talking about all these great individuals of faith. And then in verse 32 he says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, and of Samson, and Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. Notice this. Who through faith, this was all done by faith, God's grace working through them as they appropriated that strength, that grace by faith. What did they do? It says they subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. That sounds pretty exciting. Verse 35, women received their dead, raised to life again. But notice this. But others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Verse 36, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, more over of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. We'll end it with this. Of whom the world was not worthy. See, many of us would like to be in that first group, the first group that, man, they saw awesome things done and they conquered in great ways and yet other people expressed and demonstrated faith through their suffering, through their agony, and yes, even through their martyrdom. Today on this International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, I, I simply want to remind us of, of the great need that exists in the world and how we can be a part through prayer in co-laboring toward that need and that mission. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you. And Lord, for us right here in the 21st century America, we enjoy incredible freedoms, Lord, that most of the world just does not enjoy. Lord, we can worship you without fear, Lord, of the government stepping in right now and shutting this meeting down. We can pray and 
own a Bible without fear, Lord, without anxiety, without worrying about whether or not uh, we're going to be in prison because of uh, the possession of that Bible. Lord, we, we enjoy so many wonderful freedoms, and, and sometimes in this little American bubble, we can forget that this is not the case around the majority of the world. Lord, that there are still so many believers and so many Christians who suffer for their faith, and yet, Lord, by grace, they remain faithful. And so I pray, Lord, that you would stir our hearts, Lord, to pray for them, to co-labor with them, and Lord, to be willing to stand, Lord, in the places that you've called us to stand. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. For centuries, there have been men, women, boys, and girls who have literally given their lives for the cause of Jesus Christ. They were offered deliverance if they would simply recount the faith, if, if they would simply say, ah, I don't know if I actually believe in that after all. And yet, even with the offering, even though they were tempted to give up their faith, here there were men, there were women, there were boys, girls, yes, even small children, who rather than taking that option, were willing to suffer were willing to die, were willing to be martyred for their faith. I don't know about you, but I'm extremely thankful for the freedoms uh, that I enjoy. And I hope you're thankful for those freedoms as well. Uh, You and I were were blessed with the freedom to, to hear the gospel. Aren't you glad that there was a time where you got to hear about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's how that message brought salvation as you received it by faith. Do you realize that there are places around the world, peoples around the world, because of the political climate in which they live, they don't hear that message. There are people who have never even heard the name of Jesus before. And I'm so glad that I live in a country where there is a fertile soil of freedom that allows that message to go forth. I'm thankful that I have the freedom to come to church. While for some of us we may have woken up this morning and thought of other things we could have done, uh, you came and you uh, gathered together to worship with God's people. And what a tremendous thing that, that, that is. To corporately be reminded that there is a body of believers that encourages, that sharpens, that allows us to keep our focus on Christ. And yet, in many parts of the world, a gathering like this wouldn't even be possible. In those parts of the country, they have to be, uh, they take part in what is often known as the underground church. You see, these churches cannot make themselves known lest... Uh, they be persecuted, tortured, and yes, even martyred for their faith. I'm, I'm thankful for the freedom to hear the gospel. I'm thankful for the freedom to come to church. I'm thankful for the freedom just to even just own a Bible. I mean, we, we take these things such for granted, and yet the reality is there are places all over the world, and just being in possession of this book could put you into prison. And yet we have such incredible religious freedoms. I'm thankful for the freedom we have to hear the gospel. 
The freedoms that we have to come to church, the freedoms that we have to own a Bible. I'm thankful for the freedoms that we have to witness and to share our faith with other individuals. The the reality is this, many countries and and many of my missionary friends, they they realize they have to be very discerning. They have to be, be very discreet about how they tell other people about Jesus Christ because if they accidentally tell the wrong person, it could shut down their church. They could be tortured and persecuted for their faith. They don't enjoy the same types of freedoms that we enjoy. Several years ago, I was listening to an individual give a lecture on this particular subject and he made this statement. Maybe you've heard it before. He said it was the blood of the martyrs down throughout history that became the seed for the gospel. Literally, it was persecution that allowed the gospel to spread. It was martyrs' blood willing to be spilled that really planted a seed that allowed us to even be aware of the gospel. I mean, the fact that America exists the way it does today is because there was persecution, religious persecution, that was happening in Europe. And so some pilgrims came over the sea. Why? For the purpose of religious freedom. And so we see that even the realities that we get to enjoy today are enjoyed because there were people willing to stand strong even in the face of persecution. I think of many of our Christian forefathers, those ones that we call martyrs, those that were willing to suffer, to be persecuted, and to die rather than recount their faith in Jesus Christ. And I I think of all the things that could have stopped them. And the reality is, even though there were times that they got discouraged, discouragement didn't keep them from proclaiming the gospel. And though there were times where they were ridiculed, ridiculed did not keep them from proclaiming the gospel. Though they went through seasons of a loss of popularity where they were not esteemed as well, they didn't allow that belittled esteem to keep them from proclaiming the gospel. Not even pain kept them from proclaiming the gospel. Others were tortured, and yet they continued to proclaim the gospel, and yet even some were murdered they were martyred for their faith and yet those around them continue to boldly proclaim the gospel of jesus christ and their faith in him and him alone is the means to salvation you see our forefathers they just they wouldn't be stopped there were christians men women boys and girls who literally continued to stay faithful for the faith. But here we are in the year 2015, and I'm asking us this question today at Ambassador Baptist Church. What's it take to stop you? What does it take to to keep you from being the witness to glorifying God in the day and age in which we live? The reality is you look at the pages of this book, God's grace wants to do a work through you. The Spirit of Christ who dwells within you, for those of you who believe, He has a mission that He wants to accomplish through you. He wants to glorify the Father through your life. He wants you to fulfill God's purpose through your life. He he wants to walk with His Father through you. He wants to reach others with the gospel of Christ. He, He wants to serve others through your members. He wants you to finish your course 
with boldness and with faithfulness. And that's what God's grace and that's what God's spirit wants to do through you. But I I ask you this question. What does it take to stop you? This morning, I want to look at four treacherous ways here from this passage that the world tried to stop these holy men and women of God. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 35. It says, and others, in the middle of the verse, were tortured. Others were tortured. First of all, I want you to notice that one of the treacherous ways in which the world tried to stop these holy men and women of God is they tried to beat them up. torture them, to inflict pain, to inflict agony. While I was in Bible college, uh, about every other week we would go down to the laundry mat downtown Lancaster, and uh, we'd wash our clothes, and it was just quicker and faster to go to a laundry mat rather than using the washer and dryer that was on campus, because basically in our dorm there was like one washing machine for like 50 guys, and so it just didn't work, so about every other week or so we would make our way down to the laundry mat, we'd wash all our clothes. One time while we were there, a friend, and I, a friend of me, friend of mine and I, uh, we were there at the laundry mat, and uh, we started a conversation with another gentleman there in the laundry mat. We started talking for a while, and we started talking about Christ. You know, we told him a little bit about what we were doing and what we were planning to do with our future, and uh, we started talking about Jesus a little bit, and uh, started talking about Christianity, giving the gospel, sharing our faith, and the man who we were talking to really briefly said this, yes, I've heard of Christianity before. Christianity, it's, it's the greatest story ever sold. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's right. It is the greatest story ever told. And he said, no, that's not what I said. He said, it's the greatest story ever sold. (laughs) He said, you do realize it's all just made up. There are just a few fishermen out there in Galilee who wanted everybody to be more impressed with them and and make them appear better than they were. And, and so they, they made this whole thing up. Christianity, it's the greatest story ever sold. Was Christianity just a hoax? Is this whole thing just made up by a few fishermen who wanted to appear greater than they really were? Is that where this all came from? The reality is one of the reasons that we can have confidence in the faith that was once delivered to the saints is because of those disciples. If you've ever taken a moment and studied what happened to Jesus' disciples, what happened to those apostles, you see that all of them were persecuted And most of them were tortured and murdered for their faith. You see, there are people in the world in which we live who will lay down their life 
for a lie. We, we see this on the news regularly where there will be somebody who will uh, kill themselves, commit suicide because of something they believe in, even though that belief may or may not be true. But here's what's different with the disciples. They were not being willing to be persecuted. They weren't willing to die for a lie they believed in. You see, while some people might die for a lie they believe in, no one dies for a lie they made up. You know what I'm saying? There's a big difference. A huge difference. <laughs> if I told you. Newsflash. I am God. <laughs> and right now, just for the sake of illustration, why not? You guys, all right, you, you believe that? You're, you're going to say, all right, great. Go to the back, <laughs> put a gun to your head. Do you still believe your God? Eh, maybe, not, maybe not so much after all. <laughs> You see, a lot of folks are willing to die for a lie they believe in, but nobody dies for a lie they made up. So if the disciples had just made all this up, made all this up about a rest, you know, because there's the stories about how the disciples, you know, they just kind of, you know, they, they, they hid the body of Jesus and the resurrection is really not true and all this miracle is all fake and all this kind of stuff and they made it all up and then they went around the world telling everybody about this story that they had made up. The, the reality is if they just had made it up, why did all of them, why were all of them willing suffer and to die for that truth. John was exiled for his faith. Thomas was speared to death. Matthew was shot through with arrows. Bartholomew was beaten, then he was crucified. Andrew was crucified. Philip was crucified. Simon was crucified. Peter was crucified, but did not feel worthy to be crucified in the same way as Jesus. And so Peter was crucified at his request upside down. Matthias was stoned to death. And James, the son of Zebedee, he was beheaded. Why were every single one of the disciples willing to die for the message that they were proclaiming? Because they realized and they were aware and they knew of its authenticity. As you read the historical accounts of the martyrs, both in the scriptures, but also in historical documents such as the Fox's Book of Martyr, the Trail of Blood, Martyrs, Mirrors, and maybe even contemporary resources such as uh, the Voice of the Martyrs, you find there were a host of men and women, boys and girls, who willingly gave up their lives for the gospel. And while the, the world beat them up, these people would simply not be stopped. But, but the question I'm asking is, what's it take to stop you? You see, throughout the ages, there have been men and women and boys and girls who have been willing to suffer, who were willing to be persecuted, who were willing to even die for their faith. But where are the Christians today who are simply willing to live for their faith? You see, they beat him up. But not only do you find in this passage they beat him up, I want you to see secondly in verse 36, they tied him up. Notice what it says in verse 36. And others had trial of cruel mockings 
and scourgings. Yea, notice this, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. Bonds, chains, shackles, imprisonments and prison. You see, these Christians that are being alluded to here in Hebrews chapter number 11, these Christians had such a devotion and love for Christ that they were willing to be tied up and to be tortured for their faith. Down through the ages, literally millions of believers, millions of Christians have been imprisoned for their faith, tied up and even tortured for their beliefs. In one resource entitled uh, Martyr's Mirror, they describe how one of the ways in which people would persecute those that were believers is they would take them out to the wilderness, out to a desert place, and they would look for these large uh, ant hills, per se, where these fire ants would exist. They would take a post, and in the middle of that wilderness desert, they'd, they'd take that post and they'd put it deep into the earth, right where that large ant hill was and and then they would take an individual who would not recount the name of Jesus Christ and they would literally tie them uh, to that post it wasn't long until those ants would literally begin to come out and bite the body of those believers and in a gruesome manner over hours and days those ants would climb into every part of their body And from the inside out, literally just begin to eat them to death. Until they finally died under the heat of the sun. You see, the world tied them up, but these people would not be stopped. But I'm asking, what's it take to stop you? What's it take to stop you from glorifying God? What's it take to stop you from fulfilling the purpose that God's placed on your life? What what does it take to stop you from allowing the grace and spirit of God to flow in and flow through your life? These people wouldn't be stopped throughout the ages. There have been men and women, boys and girls, who have been willing to suffer, who have been willing to be persecuted, who have been willing to die for their faith. But where are the Christians today who are simply willing to live for theirs? We see in this passage, they beat him up. We see they tied him up. I want you to see, thirdly, they tore him up. Notice the next verse. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted and were slain with the sword. Without trying to be too graphic, the reality is this was not a pretty picture. History recounts on several occasions where they would take literally people as young as teenagers, the age of some of the teens in this room here today, 12, 13, 14 years old, and those that would not recount their faith, they would hollow out a tree the bark still intact. They would then take the body of that teenager, they'd slide it into the middle of that tree and give them the opportunity to recount their faith. 
If they would not recount, they would pull out a large saw with two men on either side of the large tree and they would begin to saw through the bark of that tree as that blade would come through the tree, once again giving the opportunity for that young person to recount their faith in Jesus Christ. If they would not recount, they allowed that saw to go deeper through the tree, now literally cutting the skin, the flesh of those children. Once again... They'd give them an opportunity to recount. If they would not recount, those men would literally finish the job and cut those children in two. That's gruesome. I don't like to hear about that kind of thing. It's history. It's a fact of that which was. What's sad is, is a fact of that which still is. In many of the parts of the world, even today. You see, they tore them up, but these people, they simply would not be stopped. They would not recant. But really, I'm trying to focus on us here today in the year 2015. What's it take to stop us? What does it take to for us to quench the spirit and to not allow his spirit of faithfulness to live its life through us what does it take for us to throw in the towel to raise the white flag to say i give up i quit this christian life thing's too hard what does it take to stop you what's it take to stop you from being a witness at your workplace and what's it take to stop you from being faithful to church and what's it take to stop you from serving i'm just asking a question what does it take to stop you It's amazing in the 21st century we find so many things that cause us to become distracted. So many things that will keep us from serving one another. So many things that will keep us from the Lord's house. So many things that will keep us focused on other things. And yet there was a day and an age where Christians were willing to stand for their faith. Where Christians were willing to die for that which they believed in. And now I wonder if those Christians could watch us now. I wonder what they would say. What's it take to stop us? So easily we'll throw in the towel on our marriages. So quickly just to quit on church. So quick just to, yeah, yeah I, I don't know that I need to witness. What's it take to stop you? You see, in this passage, they beat them up, they tied them up, they tore them up. Notice, I want you to see, they burned them up. The Bible says that they quenched the violence of fire. In the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs, a story is told of a pastor a pastor who was faithful to proclaim the word of Christ, who was faithful to teach that Jesus Christ was the way, that he was the truth, and that he was the life. And he had a congregation in the part of the world in which he lived. It was not uh, politically correct to do such things, to speak such things. So many hundreds of years ago, the authorities came along and he was brought before a council. He was told that he was going to be burned at the stake. 
His church huddled around them as they, gar- as they gathered there in the square of this city. The people in the church, tears running down their face. Obviously, the pastor was nervous to some degree, but there was a resolution that he had in his spirit. He began to simply say to the people, God's grace will be sufficient. As they would talk, he would keep quoting that passage, God's grace will be sufficient. And finally, one of the ladies cried out, she said, how will we, how will we know that his grace is sufficient when you're in the middle of that fire? He put his head down for a moment and thought about it. He said, if God's grace is sufficient, even in the midst of the flame, if God pours out His grace to me like He did to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, He says, I'll do what the psalmist did, and I'll raise my hands to God. It wasn't long before the authorities came. They drug his body. They went to try to chain him up, and he said, I won't go anywhere. So they simply stopped at binding his feet. They let him go. They started a a fire at the base of that pole where a bunch of branches and dry sticks were. It wasn't long before the smoke began to billow and the fire began to burn. The fire made its way up that pastor's legs. You could see the grimace of pain on his face. People in the church tried to watch, but as the flame made its way up his body, they just couldn't do it anymore. One by one, they begin to turn their back and begin to walk away. They couldn't bear the pain of watching their pastor literally be martyred for his faith because he simply would not recount. One by one, they turned and nobody blamed him for not raising his hands. I mean, after all, he was in the midst of the fire. Couldn't even begin to imagine the type of agony that he was going through. All of a sudden, a little girl who was a part of that congregation, as they were leaving the square, she, she took a glance behind her back and she said, Look! As that group turned around, they saw their pastor with his hands raised to the sky, his fingers literally ablaze with that fire, as if to say, God's grace. Throughout history, there have been men and women, boys and girls who have been willing to suffer, be willing to be persecuted, and yes, even die for their faith. They beat them up, they tied them up, they tore them up, and they burned them up. But really, the question I'm here to ask Ambassador Baptist Church is is just a very simple one. What's it take to stop us? Ridicule, loss of popularity, being teased, 
Maybe we've even been threatened. What's it take to stop us? Before we close today, I want to give you this last thought that I hope will encourage your heart to simply persevere in God's grace. The reality is, yes, as we study this passage, yes, they, they beat him up, and, and yes, they tied him up, and yes, they tore him up, and yes, they even burned him up. But there was one thing the world couldn't do to these people, and that was simply this. They couldn't shut him up. No matter what happened, no matter what they tried to do, no matter how they tried to stop them, these group, these individuals, these people, these holy men and women of God would simply refuse to be silent. They realized they had a message that could change the world. They, they had a truth that could change the heart and nothing would silence them. And so they just kept on teaching and they kept on preaching and they kept on witnessing because praise God. They just wouldn't allow their voice to be silenced any longer. During a period in our history known as the Inquisition, there were a group of individuals known as the Waldensians who would literally go out. They were really, I I don't know how else to say it, but just zealots for the message of Christ literally willing just to give their all so people in other places and other nations could hear the gospel of Christ. These Waldensians would often go out in in groups of two as, as literally missionaries to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus was God in the flesh, come to this earth born of a virgin, He lived a perfect and sinless life. Then he died on the cross, not for some sin that he had done or some crime he had committed, that he went to the cross to pay the penalty, to pay the punishment for the sins of all humanity. And there he died. But this Jesus did not stay dead. He did not stay in the tomb and he did not stay in his grave because as the Bible declares and the disciples witness, three days later, this Jesus rose from the dead, proving he was God, proving he had power over death, proving he had what it took to allow us an eternity in heaven with his Father. And they went out and they proclaimed this message even in a, in a day and age where it was highly unpopular. Many would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. One account is shared where two of these young Waldensian missionaries, both under the age of 20, were captured. They were brought before a council, a religious council, a group of people who proclaimed themselves to be God followers who prided themselves on their religious traditions. They brought these two Waldensians before them and declared to them that they, would, that they must stop teaching this gospel and they must align with their church. The Waldensians said, we can only preach that which God's revealed to us. To which the council decided that their punishment would be to burn at the stake. And in an attempt to 
validate, you could say, or justify what it is that this religious council was about to do, one of the priests came along and he, he quoted a verse, uh, really actually just a little part of a verse, taken out of concept, uh, context, as if to say to those standing around that they were validated, they were justified in what it was that they were about to do. And so he took this verse, pulled it out of context, took a couple of the words, threw it at the men as if to wash his hands and say, God ordained this. One of those young men looked at that priest in the eyes. And at that moment, he quoted to them Matthew chapter number 22 and verse 29. He said, you do err, having not known the scriptures, nor the power of God. He then took the part of the verse that that priest had quoted to him, and he quoted it back. But instead of stopping where that priest had stopped, he continued quoting the rest of the verse by memory. But then he didn't stop there. He continued to quote the next verse, and then the next, and the next, and the next until he had quoted the entire chapter, at which point he didn't stop. He continued to quote the next chapter and the chapter after that until literally he had concluded quoting by memory the entire book from which that statement had been taken and once again looking into the eyes of his accuser said, Thou hast erred. For thou hast not known the scriptures. They were so frustrated at him, they literally took a pair of tongs and they cut his tongue from his mouth, not wanting him to declare with his lips the message of Jesus any longer. Burn those young boys at the stake with their tongues having been ripped from their mouth. You see, the world, they, they tried. They tried what they could to tie them up and beat them up, burn them up, but the one thing they couldn't do is they just couldn't shut them up. They couldn't be stopped. What's it take to stop you? Uncomfortable situations at work? Is that enough to get you to stop? Someone making fun of you at a family gathering, is that enough to stop your witness? Someone criticizing you for what you believe in. Is that that enough to stop you? You see, throughout the ages, there have been men and women, boys and girls, who have been willing to be persecuted, being willing to suffer, and yes, even willing to die for the faith that they believed in. But where are the Christians today that are simply willing to live? to live a life of prayer, to live a life of faithfulness by God's grace and for His glory, willing to live, willing to be faithful, willing to persevere by His grace through His strength for His ultimate glory and honor. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 12 gives us a promise. It says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, notice this, it's a promise in the Bible, shall suffer persecution. 
When I was a kid, we used to sing this song, every promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse. I mean, any of you went to Sunday school and sang that song? Remember that one? My Sunday school teacher, I don't think, ever taught this verse when we were singing that song. <laughs> Maybe Mrs. Churchy did. I don't know. I can't remember. It's a promise. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Well, how do I know if I'm being faithful? You might ask yourself, are you, are you, are you, is there some amount of persecution in your life? You said, I thought God wanted me happy and wealthy and prosperous. That's coming in heaven. John 15, 18 says it this way. If the world hate you, just know that it hated me before it hated you. I would say Jesus was a pretty good guy without sounding sacrilegious. They didn't accept him. They weren't too kind to him. What makes you think you deserve any more than your master? Jesus is trying to warn Simon Peter, and he says to him in Luke 22, he says, he says Simon, behold, Satan hath desire to have you that he may sift you as wheat. He wants to destroy you. Throughout the ages, there have been men, women, boys and girls who have been willing to suffer, being willing to be persecuted, and being willing to die for their faith. So I'm asking, what does it take to stop you? Uncomfortable circumstances? A mocking individual, a ridiculing individual, a threat, actual persecution verbally, physically, God forbid, martyrdom. What will it take to stop you? At what point do you quit? That's the question we're asking. It's been said for hundreds of years. It almost seems as if God seems to almost be that in America we've been, we've been cursed with our blessings. We've taken the blessings of God and and, and rather than leveraging them for his glory, rather than leveraging them for his kingdom, we've taken the blessings and we've hoarded it, and it almost seems as if we've taken the blessings and we've allowed them to curse us. And so I wonder if God might not allow in the coming years us to be blessed with cursings. persecution maybe even martyrdom and in that moment what will it take to stop you here is the reality that right now in this moment there are over a hundred million 
Christians that are being persecuted doing exactly what you're doing right here, right now. And that is what this day is all about. This international day of prayer for the persecuted church is to remind us that we live in a bubble. That this isn't the way life is everywhere. That this is not the way the world operates in most places around the globe. We've got something special right here. We have something special right now. But what are we doing with it? Are we leveraging it to pray? Are we leveraging our freedoms? Leveraging our blessings to serve, to help, to further the kingdom of Christ? Or are we simply leveraging them for our own pleasure? for our own gain or for the gain of his glory? That's the question. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.